Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, it is our delight to worship you today on this Palm Sunday. And Lord, we would worship you with abandon as these children have come in, Lord, as people greeted you on the road. Lord, we would be those pilgrims who at last see the one we have been looking for. We pray, Father, that with them we might shout, Hosanna in the highest. God save. And that we too might not only proclaim, but procure your peace in our own lives. Father, grant that in this service, even as we open your word, that you might speak to us in ways that change our lives. And we will say with the psalmist, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory because of your love and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God is good all the time. Well, it's great to worship with you today and to come together. Some years ago, one of our sons was assigned um, Dickens' book, A Tale of Two Cities, and so I read the book with him, and a delightful book, and reminded of that, that first line in the book, it was the best of times, it was, you remember, the worst of times, and if you only had that line, you might wonder, well, how is that possible? But when you read the book and understand that, that time of foment and, and revolution It's easier to understand how it really was the best of times and the worst of times. As I pondered that this week, I wondered, what was the best moment of your life? What was the best day of your life? I had to think about that this week. In fact, Friday night when I was down at Reliance Stadium, I was thinking about that. Um, (laughs) It was a very good day. Um, Pardon us, we've not been here very often, so we're very excited. Today could even be a better day, who knows, but that wasn't the best day of my life. I had to go back further than that. I remember when I was uh, 12 or 13, and I sensed in earnest that God had called me into the ministry, and that was, that was at that moment, I think, one of the greatest days of my life, and then when I entered college, and then uh, the, the first time I ever met Melanie on a blind date, that was a great day in my life, and then... Um, the second time I met Melanie a couple years later was another great day. And then uh, some months later uh, when we married, well, that was a great day in our lives. And then the day that Graham was born and then the day that Chase was born. And then just last year when the judge said Casey could come to our home and live with us and be our daughter, that was a great day in our lives. What was the greatest day ever in your life? And as I thought about that, I wondered, what was the greatest day in Jesus' life? What was the very best day that Jesus ever had? He had a lot of really good days on this earth. What was the very best of those days? Was it perhaps the first Palm Sunday? Would you open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28? Jesus has just brought salvation to Zacchaeus' house. And he has said, I have come to seek and to save those who were lost And then he teaches a remarkable parable about a man who entrusts uh, money to some of his servants and then goes away for a while. And while he is gone, this man becomes king. Do you remember that part of the story? And he comes back and some have invested well and he gives them more opportunity, puts them in charge of cities as Luke tells the story. Um, 
And then there's the one who doesn't really trust him or know him well, who doesn't recognize him as king. And for him, it's not a very good day. And then Jesus, as he goes up to Jerusalem, begins to live out that very parable. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Luke chapter 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, and they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls, and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. To you. You may be seated. It was a parade of hope as Jesus entered the city. All the expectations of all of those people by this time understand they had heard the story of Jesus healing the lame man and healing the blind man and Bartimaeus and then Lazarus' story. And Jesus is coming back to that same town of Bethany where he performed that great miracle where he lifted Lazarus all the way to life again. The news was spreading. It was a moment of great popularity in Jesus' ministry. Great crowds of people anticipated. John tells us they were debating whether or not Jesus was actually going to come. And then when Jesus shows up, I've always envisioned it as an organized parade, but perhaps better to see that each little pocket of people that Jesus encountered began spontaneously just to throw their cloaks in the road and to sing praise to him after he had come up from Jericho, which is, by the way, one of the lowest places on the face of the earth, and about halfway up that, that, uh, that treacherous terrain as he came upward, he reached sea level, and then he still had another mountain to climb, and he comes into Jerusalem, and there he meets the people, and they meet their king. And it's been arranged that there is a colt for him to ride, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, which Randy read to us earlier. And everybody in the crowd knows what that means. The Messiah has come. 
And there is great anticipation. And Jesus has come and now they understand. And their understanding of Messiahship may have been distorted. But they knew something big was about to happen. And as Jesus comes into the city, he looks down that precipice leading down into the Kidron Valley as he's coming into the city. And he sees this great panoramic view of the city. And there is this cataclysmic collision of sorrow with joy. Here he is, recognized by some, but even the city to which he comes does not recognize fully who he is. And some in the crowd, as we shall see in verse 39, aren't interested in Jesus being their Messiah. And it is a difficult moment. I'm, I'm pretty sure this wasn't the best day in Jesus' life. But for some of the people in the crowd that day, There had never been a better day. This was the day they had been waiting for. This was the day when their Messiah had come, when they met their king and recognized him as their king. And on the day when somebody recognizes their king and welcomes him and worships him, well, for them, that is the best day of their lives. And then there were those in the crowd for whom it was the worst day because, as Jesus said, they missed their king when he came. As we look back at our lives, all of us remember days of great triumph and days of great tragedy. Sometimes they happen on the same day, like for Peter when he has the great confession of Christ and then in the next moment tells Jesus, hey, stop talking about crucifixion and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes the really good days come pretty closely to the really bad days. And some of Jesus' sorrow as he bursts forth into tears just remind us that In the midst of all the praise, he anticipates the pain, which we will talk about on Friday night of this week. In the meantime, I wondered if you and I, as we sort of try to evaluate what are really good days and really bad days, if we could just covenant together and say, we're not going to base our estimation of the value of a day on on the basis of temporary things, things that come and then go what if we measured the worth of a day based upon its impact not just for the moment for our emotions but for eternity what if for instance a parade of hope passed your way and you had the chance to join the crowd and to sing God save peace in heaven glory in the highest would you join that parade For those who did, it was the best day of their lives as we look in these verses. I wonder, for whom was this a great day? Well, for those two anonymous disciples that Luke tells us about, whom Jesus sent, verse 32, he sent into the city. This, you know, we we may ask as we read the story, how did Jesus know there was a cult there? How did he know they were going to ask? Well, at one level, Jesus knows. But on another level, it looks like something that's been prearranged and Jesus wants them to know and these two disciples go and it'd be like if somebody said to you, hey, my car is parked up at the Tallowood Center and the keys are in it, just go get it and bring it back. Well, you would be a little bit nervous about doing that. You, You might even be more nervous if it were your car and somebody was going just to pick it up with the keys in it. And so Jesus anticipates that and speaks to them. But what I love about this in verse 32 is it says, when they were sent, they went. And any day that you and I are obedient to God's great plan for our lives, can we just agree, that's a great day. When when God sends and we go, that's a wonderful day. He sent, 
they went. Don't miss that obedience because obedience is, um, is the beginning of great joy in our lives. I read this week about a young man who went to study in a um, department of English at a school in the Northeast and he was a vibrant Christian. His name was Courtney Ellis and as he went up there, uh, he anticipated that perhaps some there would not be Christians, but he didn't anticipate that nobody that he could tell in the English department was actually a follower of Christ. In fact, they ridiculed Christianity and Christians, and it was disturbing to him. And he said, though I was very bold to speak of my relationship with Christ when I was with my friends and my family and my church and my Bible study class, when I got in that crowd, I anticipated great persecution, and so I really wasn't willing to speak up for my faith. And he said, I tried to avoid it, but it was hard when people were sort of making fun of Christ all the time. And then one day he said, one of my classmates just looked at me and said I bet you're a Christian aren't you and it was a moment of truth for him like for Nicodemus when these very same Pharisees said are you one you're not one of his followers are you and Nicodemus is strangely silent John tells us in that moment but not Courtney Ellis in that moment he says yes I am I, I am a follower of Christ I'm a Christian and he said his classmate looked at him and said you know what's interesting I had always thought Christians were like sort of freaks in a sideshow but you're a pretty smart guy. You're making me think about this. When he obeyed, it was a great moment in his life. It really set him free from all the fear that he had been experiencing. My challenge to you is, if the Lord sends you to go. This was a great moment in their lives. They got the chance to be obedient to Christ and their lives were never the same. They are recorded. It's not that their names, their names don't matter because there's really one name that matters. The name that is above every other name. The name at which uh, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only name that is able to say that name is the name we should be concerned about. But they got to play a small part in the great drama of the ages. The, The leading role is already taken. It belongs to Jesus. But they were part of that. He sent. They went. Great day. It was a great day for whoever owned that, that animal. I, I, don't, I don't know who it was. We don't know who it was. But what we do know is that when they found out that it was for the Lord, by the way, the same name, Kurios, that was used of Caesar in those days, the Lord needs it. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not just going to give up. This donkey's never been ridden at all. But you're saying it's for the Lord. How, how would it be to have a, a donkey that had never been ridden and to know that the first time it was ever ridden, it would be ridden by the creator of the ends of the earth, the redeemer of all humankind? That'd be a great moment, wouldn't it? Just to make available because the Lord needs it. And we get that chance sometimes because the Lord needs us and we get the chance to be obedient to him and do what he calls us to do. I'm thinking about those people who threw their cloaks in the road that day. It sounds to me like a, a spontaneous kind of, of exercise, really recognizing this is our king. Our king has finally come. And, and for them, it was, no, it was no big deal to take off their cloaks. They weren't thinking, well, what if our cloaks get dusty on this dusty road? It didn't matter. It just, it just had to be done. I was down at Reliant this week and uh, was watching some of the teams practice down there and I ran into some of the families in our church and some of the kids. It was funny because after the practice, some of uh, the Baylor players came down to greet the crowd. And these kids went running down, you know, and they were going to get autographs, you know. And, and uh, Coach K uh, from uh, Duke is coming in at the same time. And people are shouting Coach K and, and all this. And these little boys, they want to get autographs, but they don't have anything, you know. They didn't bring like a piece of paper or anything like that. So these boys just start pulling off their shoes <laughs> and handing them to the players. And the players are signing their shoes. And I was wondering, how'd that work when you went home, you know, and say Wednesday of this 
this week if it rains, you know, and your mom says, put on your tennis shoes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not wearing those tennis shoes. They've been signed by Tweety. Ah, uh-uh, no, no. These are very special tennis shoes, mom. But when you're in that moment, when you get caught up and carried away, you just don't think about those things. I was baptizing in our earlier service, and uh, this young couple that's going to be married in June, and, and uh, they both accepted Christ. And then one of our little boys, uh, whom I dedicated years ago, he doesn't remember the dedication. I asked him, he doesn't, but, but he is going to remember his baptism because now he's owned faith for himself. And I was just excited. I was explaining it to him. I put on my robe, you know, and I was just about to walk into the water, and I realized I hadn't put on my waders. I was about to walk into the water in wingtips, you know. Just getting kind of carried away in the moment. And that happens to us sometimes when something really great is happening. We sort of forget ourselves and that's what's happening. And when, when they're doing this and they're singing praise to Jesus and they're saying, God save, and they're singing about peace in heaven and they echo the song that Luke tells us the angels sang. It's sort of um, peace from beginning to end in this story. In that moment, in that great moment, they're all caught up in that, and it is a glorious moment as that parade comes by. Those who didn't miss it had the best day of their lives. Some years ago, Ron Dunn took his son and six of his best friends to a carnival for his son's birthday. You know how that goes, bought a big you know, roll of those tickets, and for every ride, he just pulled off seven tickets and handed it to the boys, you know, and the son would take one and then give one to each of his six friends, and and that worked fine until they got to the Ferris wheel. And he hands the, the tickets out, and there's another hand. And he looks down and says, who are you? And the little boy says, I'm Johnny. He said, really, who are you, Johnny? He said, I'm your son's new friend. <laughs> he said, really? He said, yeah, he said you'd give me a ticket. And Ron Dunn said, do you think I gave him a ticket? Absolutely. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't part of the original party, but when parties are happening, you just you just include. And maybe you came today and you weren't anticipating encountering your king, but then you get here and you hear the children and the choir sing and you say, this is real. God is here. And when he comes, you do not want to miss him. Don't, if a parade of hope ever passes your way, by all means, join that parade. Get in on that parade. It will be the the best day of your life. But not everybody had their best day that day. There there were, for instance, in verse 39, we read about the Pharisees who uh, came to Jesus and they say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now they know the story of Zechariah. They know about the donkey. They understand it all, but they don't want to know. They don't want to recognize the coming of their king. That This particular group of people, it's not all the Pharisees, see, but it's some of the Pharisees, they, they recognize and they they say, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. They call him teacher. But even in that, there's a sense in which that's snide because Jesus is not just a teacher and they know he's not just a teacher. What did C.S. Lewis write years ago? He said, Jesus Christ is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he is Lord. Take your choice. But let's not have any of this patronizing nonsense about calling him a good moral teacher. He did not give us that option because he did not intend to give us that option. And for these Pharisees who refuse to see Jesus as the king, they say, this this noise is too much. Jesus, they're acting like you're the Messiah. Come on, stop all of this. And Jesus says, you know, I I can stop them from singing, but who's going to stop the rocks? It's a very rocky area, that Kidron Valley there. Who's going to stop the rocks from echoing forth the praise of God? 
And then Jesus comes to the edge of the city there while they're trying to stop the parade. And he weeps over the city. How do you stop a parade? I read that in Fiji, there's a group of Christians who meet every year about this time of year. About 20,000 of them come together to sing hymns. It's kind of like a Gerald Ray event, only a lot bigger. And uh, 20,000 people come to sing praises. But in Fiji, a few years ago, when they were about to have that event, they said, no songs this year. They're like, no songs? What do you mean, no songs? They said, yeah, it's a time of political unrest. It would be kind of dangerous if we all started. No, no songs this year. Well, how dangerous can a song be? How dangerous can it be for children to wave palm branches and people to sing Hosanna? Maybe, maybe the Pharisees were onto something. Maybe the truth is there's nothing more subversive in all the world than the people of God recognizing the coming of their king. And maybe it is dangerous. It's, it, it's, da- it's dangerous to, to acknowledge and, and subversive to say that the real king has come greater than all political. He, he, there is upheaval. He, he overturns political systems in that sense. He overturns the governance of our own lives as he becomes Lord and establishes himself without rival, reigning without rival in our lives. And as he comes... They just want to stop the parade. But Jesus enters into this city and he sees this great panoramic view of the city just right there at the top. As you're about to go off the hill, you can look and see the whole city. And this is the city of the great king. I read about it in Psalm 87 this morning where the people who were born there would say, this one was born in Zion. Eugene Peterson says, this one was born again in Zion. It was his city the city of peace. But as Jesus looked on that city of peace and as the people sang and shouted about peace, Jesus looked and realized that those who would not receive Him, that there would not be peace. There would come a time when every stone would be removed, when the children would be, would be killed. And Jesus recognizes that. And their worst day becomes a bad day for Him as He weeps. G. Campbell Morgan wrote years ago, The Son of God in tears... The wondering angels see. Be thou astonished, O my soul. He shed those tears for thee. Jesus wanted everyone everywhere to recognize his coming. But not everybody did. And to this day, I remember back in 2000, some of you were with us. We took a great group of great friends and we went over to Israel and we were there, we went with uh, the Pope and with uh, Beth Moore, as I recall. Well, actually, they were there at the same time we were there. And we ran into them a couple of times, not intentionally, but we did. And got to visit with Beth, that was great. And, uh, you know, what was interesting was when we, we went there, they took us outside the city. Remember, some of you remember a place called Peace Park. And here is this beautiful vista, this amazing panoramic view of the city. And they had named that park Peace Park because if you know our Israeli friends, I mean, they, they want nothing more than peace. I mean, they want peace and, and that city of peace. And here's this Peace Park and we're just there. And while we're there, something we hadn't seen, I think we sang a song and it seems like I was always teaching something over there. So I'm sure I said something because I always had to say something even if I didn't have something to say. And so I was there saying something and something you don't see often, a panhandler came up and interrupted us. And... And he was just asking for some money. And when he came up, I don't know where they came. I still don't know where they came from. But there were soldiers with big guns. And they came and pointed their guns at him and took him away. And the irony of that was not lost on me. Here we are in Peace Park. And the only way we can ensure peace 
is with big guns taking people away. And I remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14. We used to sing this. You remember this song? My peace I give unto you. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that the world doesn't understand. Peace to have, peace to live. My peace I give unto you. Oh yeah, I remember the best day of my life. I was seven or eight years old in Schrobach, West Germany. My mom was washing dishes and I was sitting on a stool and I was asking her about God. And I remember she stopped washing dishes and she turned to me and said, are you telling me you want to become a Christian? And I said, yes. And she told me how. And I knelt down beside my green bedspread on the second floor of that apartment and prayed and invited Christ into my life. And I'm telling you, that was the best day of my life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that our King has come. We thank you for the life that he brings. We pray, Father, that you would help us today not to miss the greatness of your coming. That, Father, we might, um, we might with David, with abandon, worship you, not concerned about the thoughts of others, but only focused on our audience of one, living our lives before you this week, making our decisions clearly aware that every moment we live in your presence, in you we live and we move and we have our being and we have no life apart from you. Oh God, I pray when you come to us today, let us not miss that moment. Let us not fail to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.